What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I'm your host, Eric Antonson, and this is another foiling series episode. Uh, today's guest is the designer of the Unifoil foils, also some of the signature foils, the 210 Albatross, which everyone is freaking out about, the 175 Stealth. Cliff from Unifoil is on the show today, and I'm super excited to have had him on. We recorded this yesterday because I got the 210 ah, about a month ago now, probably three weeks to a month ago, and it, it, it's a fascinating experience to be able to ride this wing. The efficiency, how much you can pump, how you can connect. Um, you know, it takes pumping down 30% of your energy output, maybe. It's a big difference, and, and that equates to much uh, longer ride times, connecting way more waves. I went from probably a three to four wave um, connection, you know, on, on little two-foot surf um, with with the other wings that I was riding now to, you know, six, eight waves is is pretty common. And a large part of that, I've gotten a little bit better, but a large part of that is the efficiency of the wing. Um, and I have not had a chance to ride the 175 yet. Uh, that's the wing that Kane DeWild says is his favorite wing. Uh, so Cliff, who uh, is on the show today, is responsible for some of the, the better wings out there. And so I'm stoked that he came on the show. It's a pretty technical conversation, uh, a little bit out of my depth in some areas, but I did my best in helping to explain what I could um, during or elaborate on what I could during the conversation. Uh, there's a little delay in the recording. He's in South Africa, I'm in Florida. So there's a little delay. We talk over each other a couple times. I apologize for that, but the uh, audio quality is, is pretty good. Um, before we jump in, there's a couple questions uh, that I've received that I figured I'd elaborate on before we start the show. Number one, why am I doing the show? Why am I doing the foiling series? So um, in the paddle surfing world, I did a show that was similar called the Paddle Boot Podcast. I did 40-something episodes, 45 episodes over a year and a half. Still do some of those from time to time now. And that show started the same way that this show started, which is that I, I love learning. Learning is my favorite thing to do, um, second only by uh, a small margin to, to surfing. Um, those are probably interchangeable at times, but um, I love learning. And, and in the foiling world right now, the information uh, is not very deep. So as you start to study and you start to learn, I'm not, I'm not in, I am not a first generation surfer. I'm not, I wasn't born into surfing. I started surfing when I was probably 13, 14. And, and you learn in a different way when you're 13, 14. Actually, I didn't have much access to the ocean. Uh, I lived inland and, and didn't get to really move to the beach until I was 21, 22. I skateboarded a lot, pretty good at board sports, but not to the level of someone like my son or, or someone growing up in the ocean to where it's just a part of them and, and they just intuit everything. So for me, the learning process has come with a little bit more study. I did this in the paddle surfing world and um, started competing in that. I got a couple national titles uh, in Costa Rica where I lived in paddle surfing um, through that. And, and you know, I'm doing the same thing here. And I thought that it would be a fun process to do it publicly again. So, I mean, for a number of reasons. One, you just, if you do it 
publicly, it helps everybody, which is cool. So you're building the collective knowledge base, which I enjoy doing. Also, from a selfish standpoint, it gives me more access to the best folks in the sport. So, you know, to be able to have an hour conversation with a Kane or, you know, a Zane or now Cliff, James Casey, anyone who's been on the show, um, you're not necessarily going to do that uh, in the same way without having the platform where, where it's really benefiting them and it's benefiting everyone else. So there's a selfish component to it for sure, but it's also um, a little bit altruistic as well because, you know, it's for everybody. So I hope everybody is getting better through listening to these and helping to uh, grow the, the community and the knowledge base there. Um, and another question I received uh, on Instagram a couple of days ago was why I switch gear so much. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, the.progression.project on Instagram, you'll know that I ride uh, stand-ups, I ride uh, prone boards, I do some towing, um, and I ride, you know, I've ridden uh, Ride Engine, uh, love love Cloud, love Cloud9, I love uh, NP stuff, uh, obviously I love the Unifoil stuff, and this goes back to shortboarding days for me, which is that I find that variability in training helps you to understand the role of the board and the role of you as a surfer. And so it's pretty easy. You you watch, you probably have friends or maybe you, you know, fall in love with a board, a setup, and then you ride that. But then you get very efficient on that board. It's like doing the same exercise every day, right? You get very efficient in that board, that activity, and then you stop growing at some point. But when you change things up, you know, maybe the way you pump on one wing is a little different than the way you pump on the other wing, but you'll bring something along with it. Um, I like to skate, I like to snowboard, so I do everything, and and you'll you'll find these correlations as you get better at mapping um, these feelings from board to board, sport to sport, uh, it actually really increases the the growth curve. And this is super evident. Like if you look at someone like a Zane Schweitzer or someone like a Kai Lenny who participate in lots of sports, their ability to jump into a new sport and assimilate um, very quickly is, is, is super impressive. Uh, and pro- I think proves the idea. This is something I debate with some of my friends at times. But if you look at what Kai Lenny's doing right now in uh, shortboard surfing, you know, he just won the um, Four Seasons Challenge, whatever, the shortboarding event over Josh Kerr, Parco, Matt Wilkinson, you know. And and really, you could say that shortboarding has been his focus now for about a year. I think that he probably wants to get on the tour. I think that would be really cool. I think it would be good for everybody. Um, but the, uh, the ability to learn like that, uh, it has a lot to do with his ability to understand the way surfing feels from the mindset of all of these other sports so when you when you jump around in equipment i think that you get better faster uh it's fun too you get to geek out i think maybe that has something to do with it too where you you know you get the new thing and you're excited to go ride bad conditions on on the new thing um so it just keeps you in the water more Uh, i did the same thing with stand-up uh shortboarding and now with foiling and it, it seems to be a good um a good path so All right. Well, if you're still here, I appreciate it. This interview with Cliff uh, from Unifoil is technical. It's 
super solid. I really like it. Uh, if you're wondering why there was no intro today, it's because I've just gotten really busy and I want to get these out and don't have time to do the recording uh, for the intros. Maybe I'll do some sort of like stock intro again or something, but I'd rather have the shows coming out so that you guys get access to that versus uh, have to wait on them for something that uh, doesn't really add a lot to it. So, all right, guys, thank you for tuning in. And here is Cliff from Unifoil. Cliff, man, thank you very much for coming on the show. This is one that I've been super excited about. You know, I got your 210 wing uh, about a month ago, and I'm freaking out on it. I love it every day. I have like a new breakthrough session, and I'm just super psyched that you decided to come on the show, and, and thank you for doing it. Thanks, man. Hey, Eric, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, for your patience and, uh, you know, all the delays that you've had, you know, for, for me to come on the show. So I thank you that uh, you've... Um, kept uh, in contact and, and that yeah we can finally have a chat yeah. uh let's get things started off with with how you got into foiling man what's your arc to where we are now <laughs> okay do you, want, do you want the long story or the short story and we've got <laughs> time whatever you think is good story, man so. <laughs> <laughs> all right um what it was is ever since i can remember ever since being a kid i've just absolutely loved flying and Actually, quite recently, my my mum showed me the um, uh, she's got like a family album, and she showed me this picture where I'm actually in diapers. I mean, this is now in the seventies, and I'm squatted next to a radio-controlled airplane, and you know, it's, it's just been in my blood ever since. So, what happened was, I um, I was probably about seventeen or eighteen, and I did really well at school. My dad said to me, "Listen, he's going to buy me this radio-controlled plane." So I started to learn to fly, and um, a few years later, I moved to England, where you know, I carried on flying, and I started flying radio-controlled helicopters, which I really, really enjoyed, because anyone who's, who's flown radio-controlled uh, helicopters, for the moment you start flying backwards and inverted, and there's just something in your mind that clicks, and it's, it's just an awesome sensation. So... From that, I had another mate of mine. I moved back to South Africa, and he said to me the one day, hey, let's go slope soaring. And I was like, what? He said, you know, you fly a plane off, off the side of a mountain. And I was like, slope soaring, you know, that sounds a bit boring because, I mean, I fly helicopters. So anyway, he made me this, this uh, they call it a zaggy. It's just a flying wing. And we went to the side of this hill, and he explained to me, no, you need to keep the nose of the plane into the wind. And so anyway, we started flying. And I tell you what, I had so much fun flying this plane. And at the end of the session, I totally trashed this plane. I'd like into every single rock there was and I hit all the other planes and it was, it was just an absolute hoot. So this friend of mine, he gave me this dirty look and he literally pulled the servos out of this plane and the receiver and he folded the thing in half and chucked it in the bin. And yeah, <laughs> since then I was like so addicted to, to, to slope story. And naturally from there, the progression was to go faster. And this is, this is all about getting faster and faster and faster. And I, I bought myself um, a CNC kit and I made a, a, a CNC wire cutter. And I started learning how to draw planes. I started learning, you know, the different things that make uh, make it react in different ways. And then I started getting into making molds. I started learning how to do vacuum bagging and that kind of stuff. Um, I started learning how to... Uh, draw in 3D for um, cutting on a, a CNC router. 
And yeah, that's 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 pretty much how I got into the epoxy side of it. And then, yeah, a few years later, um, we, we moved again. We moved to another little town where uh, I stopped flying and I started um, kiting again. Now, I started kiting back in 2002, but I, I never really got anywhere with it because I was living in England at the time. And I'd come to South Africa on holiday. And I'd got to the point where, you know, you could mow the lawn and just... It, it was fun, but uh, I never got anywhere. I didn't spend enough time in the water. So anyway, so we moved to this town and I started kiting again. So one day this friend says to me, hey, let's build a hydrofoil. So scoured the internet and trying to get sizes and, you know, how long must this be and how wide must that be? And so we knocked up this um, crude looking hydrofoil um, and we started towing behind the boat. But the thing was, this, this foil, the, the front wing was so small, it's something like 90 inches or about 600 square centimeters. So you needed like 15 to 20 k's an hour just to be able to get up on the foil. So you had some really classic wipeouts for the speed that you're going. You just made one little mistake and you were off the foil and on your face. So it's it was good fun. And then from there, the progression just started. Um, again, same with like the planes to to learn how does the foil um, react by doing this and how does it react by doing that. And um, yeah, my, my workshop started filling up with all these uh, prototypes and all these worlds that I made. And I had another friend that came over and he saw this one foil and he was like, uh, oh, so you make foils? And I was like, well, I've got a whole collection. He's like, well, he'd also like to try it. So he took one foil and and uh, I advertised uh, some of the foils on, on our local like secondhand um, website, Gumtree. And just slowly but surely, the... Um, the, you know, getting rid of these foils that I had made actually started turning into orders from word of mouth. You know, one guy would, friend would say, hey, where'd you get that foil? And then, you know, he'd place an order and, and I actually started making foils. And that's, that's pretty much how, how it started. Eh? That's awesome, man. What a cool story, just from pure passion. The um, <laughs> now, how, how yeah. much time do you spend, you know, surf foiling now, downwind foiling, with, which is what you're designing for? Well, I haven't actually touched a foil in over a year now because I've been, I've just returned back from Canada and I got back about three weeks ago. And I think I got back on the Tuesday and I was in the water on the Thursday for my first session. (laughs) (laughs) I I was absolutely dying for it. So it's it's really good to get back in the water. But um, to answer that, I'm not so much of a surf foiler. I'll, I'll go for a towing session, but I do most of my um, falling behind the kite. Okay. Um, but um, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to to getting into doing some downwinding because we've got the most amazing conditions here to do downwinding. Um, but with, with a with a winged wing. Oh, with the, with the wings that are coming out now. Yeah, I'm excited about getting my hands on one of those. I'm talking to a few folks right now and really hoping it works out. Uh, especially with yeah, the yeah, 210. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's going to be an awesome combination. So, so let's talk about the 210 because I'm freaking out on this on this whole foil. Uh, it, the ability, the efficiency of it, is not like anything yeah. that I have felt. Now, I haven't ridden any other high aspect wings, but I have ridden a good number of foils. You know, I've been six yeah. months in testing as much as I possibly can, and 
the efficiency in wave riding and in pumping, the amount of energy needed to sustain flight is just unreal. I mean, it, it, it's weird in that it takes more speed for me to take off than on the lower aspect wings. And you have to maintain that speed. And there was a learning curve involved with that. But once you once you realize yeah. that, you know, you need to maintain speed, you need to be a lot more fluid on the wing. But now all of a sudden, I mean, you know, minutes of, of flying is is from a cardio perspective, much easier than anything else that I have felt. What was the design process of the 210? Did, did you come out, was it, did you have an idea of, so when I designed surfboards, sorry to make this a long intro, but um, I designed surfboards and, and my boards have generally started with an idea, a concept that I had, and then maybe in some cases, six months, in some cases, two years of prototyping and testing mm. until I've figured out the right feel that I was searching for. Did you start, you know, the 210 with an idea of, I want to create the ultimate efficient downwind foil or, or were you just, did you stumble upon it? How, how did that come about? Um, this is a bit of both because what happened was I made a foil for um, uh, Nathan and Ivan from Deeran and down in Cape Town. And they started doing um, downwind foiling and they had my 175. So they took this, this foil out to downwind foiling. So that's the stealth and, 175? That's the, so Na yeah, Nathan and Ivan yeah. are from Signature, if anybody doesn't know. They're, uh, I guess, uh, Ivan owns Signature, I think. Correct, yeah. Um, and, and Nathan, if you haven't seen the videos of Nathan Van Buren uh, foiling yet, it, it's, he's in that league with uh, Phenomenal. Kyle Lenny, yeah. uh, Katie Maui. Uh, all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible talent. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So, so Nathan took this, this, uh, the 175 and, uh, he did a downwind with it. And I mean, he, he was like the first guy in, in the country to, to try this, um, successfully, you know, to, to actually get up and get going. And, and at the same time, I'd I'd made you know I'd literally made every kind of foil you can think of from flat wings to forward wings to sweeping wings to uh, I'd really experiment, ex, uh, experimented with, with different kinds of foils but the one thing that I never tried was was high aspect and from my glider days I, you know high aspect is is uh, the only solution because of its efficiency you you can't have a glider that glides with a low aspect wing because the drag is too high. So I made this foil and I was like, well, let's go crazy. Let's go the really high aspect ring and let's see what it does. And that's how the 170 was made. So I sent this 170 to, to, to Nathan and they sent me, I think there's a, a video back or it was a, just a report back and they're like, he's broken the record for the downwind run in Cape Town. And I was like, what? And I was like, put a GPS uh, monitor on him and let's see how fast he goes. So just so I can get some feedback, you know, how fast is he going? And when they send me the graph, <clears throat> it's, it's just this, this jigged line that goes up and down. And I'd realized that Megan had ridden this foil for something like, I think it was 15 minutes or 17 minutes nonstop. Wow. And I was like, I can get going for maybe two minutes, you know, <laughs> maybe five minutes max, and then I'm off, you know, I'm four minutes or and I was just absolutely amazed that he could stay on the foil for such a long distance. 
and then you'd have a wipeout, and then you'd go for another five minutes, and then another wipeout. And I think he wiped out three times in about ten kilometres or so. So that's that's where it started off, um, and then it was it was just progressing from then to to do downwind foiling. So I started exper- experimenting with um, foils that were more user friendly, because that one seventy is not the easiest of foils to ride. It's uh, been nicknamed a, a bit of a wild rhino. It's it, it's it's got a different feel to it. It's not a, a an everyday kind of feel for it. How does it feel different so, from the two ten, which I know? Well, the two ten and 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 the, and the one seventy are very similar. Okay, because they're both high aspect winds. But I'm saying if you compare it to like a surf foil. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, there's definitely a learning curve yeah, it, on it, the high aspect wings. Yeah. They're yeah. You know, the yeah. first time, the first two times that I rode it, I was like, Some, something's wrong. I just don't get this. It was so tippy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it the yeah. energy on the wings and when you go through chop and if you mess up on a pump, yeah. it takes a lot more finesse. Yeah. I've got some buddies here who um, they're behind in the learning curve. They're, they're you know, they're doing great. They're, they're surfing all the time and they're riding, you know, more yeah. low aspect kind of entry level wings and they're jonesing to get on the 210 and I'm telling them to wait a little bit just because it would be a difficult wing for them to ride right now. It's it's like riding yeah. a short board yeah, it's not a wing that you want to climb into first if you don't have previous foiling. No. It's like when when I first rode it, I mean, I made it in, in the next day, myself and another mate, Mon Gumby, he, he had a boat. So we went out and the conditions were absolutely flat as any. So we did a, a towing session. And what, what the very first thing that struck me was, I mean, I'm, I'm 105 kilos, is that this wing didn't stall. When you slow it down, it just went slower and slower and slower, and it just slowly sank into the water. And I was like, that, that just blew my mind, you know, that it didn't stall. Yep. And then the one wave, I mean, you can't even call it a wave, this tiny little two-foot bump. I towed Gumby into it, and he just took this wave, and he just went and went and went and went. And I was like, I just couldn't believe the efficiency of the foil. It was just incredible how efficient this foil was. Yeah. Did I drop you? You there? So, oh, okay. Yeah, still here. So, so yeah. So then, um, I, I designed a, a few different other foils to try and make it a little bit easier to ride. But um, there, there, there's a compromise when you when you start to make a foil that is thicker, you have higher drag. When you have a foil that is lower aspect, you have higher drag. So you have to have a, a high aspect foil because it's a very low drag in order to be able to catch the, the smallest amount of energy and, and that's in effect the, um, what the 170 and then the 210 can do is they can catch the smallest amount of energy in the wave and you can pick that up and you can ride it but it's like the same as, as pumping to pump a foil that has high drag is very difficult but because these foils are so efficient it's, um, it's so much easier to, to you know get them up and keep them going because of the, the low drag on. Yep. It's interesting because I didn't understand the feeling of drag until I rode the 210. I had been, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, the yeah. first wave that I took off on, and I'd been foiling for probably yeah. four or five months, and, and the first wave that I took off on, it felt like the foil had fallen off because it just felt like you were taking off on a, on a shortboard. You didn't feel the foil below you. Uh, 
yeah. And and then I went to aggressively yeah. pump up on that wave, and it doesn't do that. You can't you can't like pump up onto the two ten. You almost have to take off like you're in an airplane. You have to get speed and then gradually come up. I find that really steep angles of attack and trying to to get up on top of the water tend to stall fast for me. Um, So it's more of, I feel like you're flying more than you're surfing uh, sometimes on that foil, which is awesome. Very much. That's, that's one of the things that I'm, when I first started uh, kite foiling was because we were kite foiling on such small little foils is when you're going, um, for example, if you're going uh, in your natural position and you turn and you turn to toe side, the, the, as you start to turn around, you start speeding up. And because you're riding on these little floors that have so little drag, it would feel like you're on a rocket ship taking off. And the wipeouts were just crazy. <laughs> and now going to, to, to surf foils, all of a sudden you've got all this drag. It feels like you've got this bag of potatoes behind you. And now you can actually turn and turn downwind and you, you don't get out of control. And now I'm going back the other way, going back to high performance foils again, where the grand is even less and less because the guys want to go faster and faster. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, so let's talk about your design process a bit. How do you yeah. how, how do you design? Do you design in a CAD program? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've actually got a program that I, I use for for radio control airplanes design. So. You pretty much work backwards when you design it. You you write down all the objectives that you're trying to achieve. So if it's a downwind foil, then obviously it's all about efficiency. It's about how how little drag you can get on it. Um, you need to know obviously the weight of the rider, uh, the conditions that he's riding in, and then from these things, then you start to to develop what kind of foils you're going to have. So there's many different things that affect the foil. Like, uh, for example, the profile. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, what kind of profile do you use? So, there's three, three main different profiles. There's a, just like a flat profile where the bottom is just relatively flat. And then you've got a camber profile where the bottom's hollow. And you've got a reflex profile where the back of the profile goes up and there. So, they have all the, each one has got its own um, attributes. Is the two ten a reflex foil? It it seems like no, no, no. no. Um, what I found is using a reflex foil. I shouldn't say a reflex. Uh, a camber foil uh-huh. is it creates a lot of lift at low speed, and there's one stage where everybody is raving about a foil that lifts really quick. The problem with it is that it, it's got a very um, narrow wind window, not wind window, but speed window. And that I can ride in that can't go very fast. So choosing the correct profile is actually critical on, on achieving the, the, the desired effect that you want foil to do. <clears throat> um, yeah, so that's 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 the three different profiles that, that you've got to choose from, you know, which which profile do you choose? So it's like for example, a symmetrical foil. A symmetrical foil, the top and the bottom are exactly the same, right? Mm-hmm. So this foil would need to have a um, an angle of attack for it, for it to generate lift. Whereas a profile that has a flat bottom and a curved top, um, it would have, if you had the, the same kind of profile that created the same amount of drag, the one that has the 
flat profile at the bottom and a little bit of a curve at the top, you'd get lift from it. So, um, in effect, you'd be getting free lift for the same amount of drag. But it's it's a it's a fine balance of how much lift do you need, how much lift do you require, you know, out of that profile for that wing. And how are you calculating how much lift you need based on rider height, based on um, the aerodynamic formulas for that? Of lift, no, that, lift? that just comes from 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 experience. Okay, it's just from trying so many different um, profiles and trying so many different uh, shapes. And I don't actually have a a formula that you can type into a computer and it spits out you know what you must use. You can use uh, software to. Um, fine-tune which profile you're looking for um, by looking at the, the, the drag coefficient and the lift coefficient and, and making a better choice as to what you're trying to achieve. D does the software that you use show you drag and lift coefficient of the foil? The Yes. It does? Yes. And then is there a yep. way to model that somehow in, in you know a simulated wind tunnel or water tunnel? The, the software that I have is is for aircraft. So unfortunately, it, it doesn't give me a um, an accurate uh, representation. It, it actually says the, the the craft is unstable because it's made for aircraft. Um, for example, on an aircraft, you'd have dihedral in the wings to create stability, mm -hmm. whereas on a hydrofoil, you'd have the wings the other way around to actually create instability. Because it's actually a question I get asked quite often is why don't we have dihedral, you know, where the wings go upwards on the ends to make the foil more stable? And quite simply, it makes the foil too stable so that you can't actually turn it. It just wants to go in a straight line. Oh, interesting. So to make the foil that you can so that you can actually carve it and you can turn it, you actually need to make the foil unstable in, in the roll axis and by by sweeping the tips down on either end or even the whole uh, wing downwards. You, you create this instability. And then the instability allows you to initiate turns. Exactly, exactly. But now, on the on the 210, it's a very flat wing because when you start to create too much of a, of a downturn, you now start to create extra drag. And the reason for that is because of the actual size of the wing versus the projected area of the wing. So the projected area of the wing, so if you have to shine, like for example, a flashlight over the top of the wing and it creates a shadow, that's the projected area of the wing, right? Okay. So that that determines how much lift you get out of the wing. From the top so down then, or the bottom up? Yes. Right. Or either or. Right, it's, yeah. It's projected, it's the shadow. So if you yeah. measure that area, that is your lifting area. So if you have a, a wing that has a really good, Great curve, it just generates more drag than a wing that is that is uh, completely flat. But it's it's a it's a gamble because the one wing is easier to control, the other wing is more efficient. So you've got to choose you know, which way you go. Then there's also things that that affect it, like um, uh, sweeping the, the tops of the wings downwards um, to reduce the amount of uh, vortex that it creates. That's also another thing that you can do. You, you can help to prevent lateral flow. This mm -hmm. is where the, the water doesn't just run from the leading edge to the trailing edge of the wing. 
on the top surface of the wing, it tends to run off a little of an angle towards the tips. Okay. And on, on the bottom side, and then on the top side, the water runs opposite, it runs towards the um, roots, you know, it runs towards the fuselage. So that's what creates your vortex on the side. The water actually comes off the tip and it rolls, it wants to roll onto the top of the wing. And so that's, that's how the vortex is created. Airplanes have solved that with winglets. Is that something that makes sense for foiling? Um, some airplanes have, have, have solved it with with winglets. Um, I think, yes, it is possible with very um, fine testing. You, you, you can do it. But there are other ways of... Um, designing the winglet, you don't need to have a, a winglet on it. Because remember now, if you, if you go back to the projected surface area, a winglet is, when it's projected onto a surface, there's, there's no lift on a winglet. Right. So a winglet can also be counterproductive and create extra drag. So it's, uh, again, it's a fine line. It's If you've got the software to, to run it and you've got the means to test it, then yes, I think you can use a, uh, a winglet to reduce the amount of drag off the tips. Um, so, all right. You know, I've been studying some aerodynamic um, theory just to understand foils and how they work a little bit better. And, and, in, yeah. and in airplanes, you have some limiting factors as you approach, say, you know, the speed of sound, um, in in the foiling world, I have seen that you know the sail GP. Uh, there's the sixty knot club. You know, it's it's some barrier to get into the sixty knot club. Are there some hard limits to speeds that foils can achieve, like uh, subsonic airplanes? I'm I'm not totally clued up on that. Area, really, I don't know. Okay. Um, but by what I've read, yes, but. Um, uh, you know, with with the scope that um, foiling is at the moment, uh, with regards to standing on a board, you know, it's it's yeah, I haven't got a clue. We're, we're probably far away from from those numbers, but <laughs> I hope so because you're going <laughs> to break a leg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, no, I don't. I haven't got a clue. I don't know what sort of. Um, I'm sure that one day in in the future we're going to look back and go, oh, why didn't I think of that? You know, by just doing something on the foil and it'll allow, you know, this foil to go even faster. I'm sure that there's always some sort of a, a workaround and somebody's going to come up with it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been, the sport is evolving so quickly right now. Yeah. It's just insane yeah, it's to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about like canard wings? You know, the the smaller front wing larger rear wing it seems like from a surfing perspective that might put the center of control under your back foot which would be a more natural uh yeah. surfing feel versus you know it, it, there's a learning curve if you come from surfing there's a learning curve getting used to being a front foot driven foiler yeah. um you think yeah. that you know changing the the arrangement of the wings would change that feel and is it possible Oh, without a doubt. Um, uh, surfing with the with the canard setup is is a completely different feel. 
it's like you say, you, you're driving in your back leg. I personally have, haven't ridden one. Um, a couple of years back, I was dying to make one when uh, Zico brought them out. Uh, because on on a kite, it's uh, it's also great because if you breach the front wing, you, you you don't come straight off the foil, and that's what you tend to do when you're in the surf. Is you 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 get too much lift and you breach, and then you on a normal foil you straight off the foil. Whereas on a canine setup, you can at least you know you can recover and carry on riding the wave. So there is definitely without a doubt a um, a avenue for these. Um, Foils. It's just they they do look a bit weird. Um, you know, when some guys pitch up at the beach with a canine setup, it's like, uh, are you sure you've assembled your foil correctly? <laughs> so from the, from the from the cosmetic side, you know, they do look a bit strange. Um, if they actually take off in the surf, I think uh, as soon as one is developed that that performs well, yes, then they, they'll definitely um, they'll be out there for sure. So, what are you working on right now in design? What are you inspired by? Um, at the moment, it's all about going fast. Eh? <laughs> Everybody just wants to go fast. Uh, the racing scene is, is, is really big at the moment. I get a lot of requests for custom foils to, to, to go fast um, and also requests for, for fine-tuning um, and I get guys that are a little bit bigger and they want to look bigger foils but they want to be competitive and then I've got guys that are in between like the 170 and the 210 and the 170 is just that little bit too small and the 210 just that little bit too big so uh, yeah I'm, I'm busy working on a, on a 190 at the moment which will come out pretty soon oh excellent um, I've just finished I've just finished at 2.30, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm working on at the, at the moment, to get these, um, these two, two setups done as soon as possible. How, how difficult is it to scale a wing? I know most surfboard designers who design in Shape 3D or in AccuShaper will yeah. create their model, and then scaling up and scaling down is a much easier process than designing the, you know, the board your first go round. Is it similar with uh, with scaling wings or just more go into it? You can do it, but um, if you if you really want to get technical, it, it doesn't really work as well. You'll find that one of the wings will have the sweet spot and the ones getting smaller will fall away from that sweet spot and the ones getting bigger will fall away from that sweet spot. And the reason for that is because the profiles work differently when they're in different sizes. Uh, back to radio control, if you take a, a full-size aircraft and you make it radio control, it, it doesn't work because the profiles don't work. Um, it's 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 pretty much it's sort of like um, having a golf ball. And if you say to me, what is more aerodynamic? Um, on a golf ball, one is dimples or one that's smooth. And I mean, well, what would you say? Naturally, everybody would say the, the one of the dimples up. But really, you, you can only answer that question when you when you give all the all the variables, because a golf ball being dropped into into a, a very thick uh, medium is more um, 
hydrodin- uh, aerodynamic or has less drag, I should rather say, than a golf ball of dimples. So back to a wing that's in scale. So the density and viscosity when- of the fluid exactly. comes into play. So, so I, in, in exactly. like extrapolating this out, it seems that the drag is affected, the shape and drag are affected by the viscosity of the fluid, but and in, in sizing up and sizing down, you can't size down uh, linearly because the drag does not, the, the viscosity, the, the fluid uh, density uh, requires exactly. that you change, you change the, uh, it's not a linear scale, I guess. Exactly. And it's also, you can even take it to a step further where the temperature of the water even makes a difference. Because you work off what they call a Reynolds number. And from the Reynolds number, it determines all the factors of which profile you use. So for your wing to be efficient right across the span, you need to change the profile as it goes down the span. And it starts to get a bit technical. Um, I've been trying to read up as much as I can on uh, a gentleman called uh, Dr. Mark Greller from MIT and he's released a ton of information with regards to uh, design, um, aerodynamic design, which and the design principles um, are, are the same as with foils. So if you can get these um, factors correct, you can build um, foils that are, that, that are um, you know, really, really good because there's very little drag and they just perform really well. Uh, the Reynolds number is what affects laminar flow. Is that correct? Reynolds number. I need to read that on Wikipedia. It's what it's a dimensionless number that um, it, it's, it's to put a number to. I, I need to really read that up again. I can't remember word, 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 word by word. Any it's, anyone it's out there? To calculate. Go ahead. Sorry, we've got a little delay. Anyone listening, we've got a delay. Um, Cliff's in, in South Africa right now. I'm in Florida. So we've got some time between us. But anyone who's interested in in kind of nerding out on this stuff, there is a YouTube channel um, called Smarter Every Day where there are some really cool uh, videos on laminar flow and some of the things that affect the uh, water over, over wings. Cliff, you there? Yep. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty cool YouTube channel to check out Smarter Every Day. The, when, I, when I think about this, and, you know, there's so much work that has been done in aerodynamics and in, um, you know, airplane design. When you look at the equations for lift and drag, and it seems as though there, you, there should be some um, scale when you look at, you know, density is the factor and, and water density is about 30 times, um, higher than air density, my understanding at sea level. And so you've got a 30 X factor there. And then, you know, velocities are going to be much lower. Velocity is a squared term. So as you go, that's actually something that's interesting, you know, that's maybe you can extrapolate on this a little bit, but velocity in the lift in the lift equation uh, velocity is a squared factor. So as 
velocity increases, lift is increasing exponentially. So the lift that you have at 10 miles an hour versus 20 miles an hour is not 2x. It's, you know, exponential. It's 4x difference. Yeah, exponentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe you can talk about how that affects design. And then and then maybe you can also go into um, drag. So my understanding with different wings is that there is drag is also an exponential factor. So wings actually do have a top end. They have a speed at which the drag becomes insurmountable, no matter how much thrust you're really putting on it, I think. Um, and so well, this, well, this is this is one of the factors that determines how fast your foil can go. Right. So, so it's like, like you say, your your, your drag uh, increases exponentially. So you'll get to a point where either the the, the foil will, will feel like it explodes, it, it comes out of the water, or your your flat line, the foil just won't go any faster. So depending on which profile you've chosen, if you've got a, a profile that creates a lot of lift, you just come out the water. If you have a profile that just creates drag, then you just flatline at that speed. So one of the factors that um, determines how fast you can go is is the stability of the foil. So on a foil that has um, camber, um, one of the effects we were talking about earlier, um, uh, a profile that has a little bit of camber in it gives you lift for free versus a profile that is fully symmetrical. And, and so camber, so, for everyone listening, camber would be a flat bottom and a curved top. Versus no, um, symmetrical. Camber is a hollow, a hollow bottom. Okay, so negative so, space. So, so, yes, yes. Okay. So a profile like this would generate a lot of lift, but a negative from it is the forward pitching moment. So, if you had to have a foil where you take the rear stabilizer off and you just um, push it like in a swimming pool, this foil would pitch forward, so to dive downwards. And it would actually do a loop. It would keep pitching forwards. Whereas if you had a profile that was fully symmetrical, it would be more inclined to glide and, and to come off, you know, to maintain a, uh, a straight line rather than pitch forwards. So to counteract the pitching forwards, we need to put a stabilizer on. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the stabilizer creates a force in the opposite direction to stop the front of the foil diving downwards. So you might ask, well, why don't we just use a profile that is symmetrical? And the simple answer for that is because we now need to increase the angle of attack for it to create lift, and this creates drag. So the tail stabilizer um, has to match what um, forward pitching moment the foil creates. Because if your tail stabilizer doesn't match it, if your tail stabilizer, let's say, for example, is too small, then as you start getting faster and faster and faster on the foil, you need to start shifting your body weight rearwards because your your back leg now needs to make up for the pressure required on, on the rear of the foil to maintain uh, level flight. If the stabilizer is too big, you're going to have too much drag. Or if there's too much uh, downward force, then uh, vice versa. You're going to need too much front foot pressure. You're going to be trying to keep the nose of the board downwards. Some profiles that generate a lot of lift, the moment you, you, you get onto a wave and you start diving down the wave, you've got to put all of your weight on the front of the board to try and keep this foil in the water because it's it's broken out of its speed range. Makes sense? Yeah. So the real question is, at what speed do you want your foil balanced? Exactly. And that's, 
part of designing your 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 foil. Um, yeah, what what speed range do you want to be in? So your speed range um, determines you know what profile do you use, what size, um, thickness do you need, how much lift do you require, how heavy is the person who's going to be riding the foil. All these um, factors come into play in designing your foil. And, and really, there's, there's no magic software where you're going to punch in a bunch of numbers and it's going to spit out a, a solution. It, it comes from, I would say, more than 50% of designing a foil is just down to experience. That you can, a person can say to you, I know your foil that does X, Y, and Z, and you can say, oh, the foil needs to be shaped like this and like this and like this. You can now fine tune the foil using software because you already know a lot of the prerequisites. So that's a great segue into uh, tail wing stabilizer conversation. Yeah. Um, your models ship with, you know, po- possible multiple stabilizers. Um, can you talk through what those what, what I, designs are and, what and how? Found, yeah, what I found, I mean, there's two main ones. There's a, a tail that has a, um, a rudder, so a vertical surface. This gives you stability in the yaw axis. So the yaw axis is the, the line drawn from the crown of your to the tip of your toe. So when you twist with your shoulders, that's your yaw stability. So when you have a, a vertical um, profile, this will counteract your yaw axis. So on things like um, high speed, you want stability in yaw. Then, then you'll have a tail which is like a, a down curve tail where the tips go down either side. Again, um, this is a, a tail that has instability. So when you actually start to turn the foil onto its side, all your lift goes onto the, onto the wing that is now going horizontal and it actually helps you to turn. Another side effect is the pump ability because Remember now, the profile on the, on the back of the of the foil is pushing downwards, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're pumping, you're actually now making positive lift off a foil that is pushing downwards. And if the foil is sloped downwards towards the tips, it helps it to pump because you have less lateral flow. So the lateral flow is the water running sideways down the wing. You that know? makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking this through right now. I'm picturing this and I'm feeling it. You know, one thing, Kane DeWild was recently on the show and we were talking about pumping the 210. And one of the things yeah. that he noted, which I agree with, is that it pumps more off your back foot than, you know, normal uh, lower aspect type foils. It's, it's more of yeah. a straight upright, a uh, little bit more back foot. You're almost coming off the the board with your, the, your heel a little bit as you come back up and that yeah. what you just said about the stabilizer, you know, is in line with, yes. with what, that thought. What, what, what you'll find is that when you try and pump with a, uh, a stabilizer that has the tip going upwards on the edges, you know, the, the, the rudder style, mm-hmm. it's actually more difficult because the energy that you're putting into pumping is just um, going off the, the, the tip of the, the stabilizer as a vortex. Yep. Whereas when, when it's the other way around, you're now creating positive lift of a foil that is actually upside down. Yeah. So Kane and Brian from Foil the World have both 
and I, there's probably some other guys who have done it too, have cut off about, I, I guess it's a 16 inch down curve stabilizer that the wing comes with. They've cut off about, I think about an inch or two off the sides of that to make it even smaller. And they're saying that they yes. like it more in the surf. Um, it's, it's, it's because they, their skills are at the level where they need less stabilizer. So I'm, I'm getting this more and more um, now that the guys want smaller stabilizers because their skills got into a point now where they have the ability to, to feel the foil and they don't need the stabilizer to do the work that their legs are doing. Mm-hmm. So that's why they can go smaller in the stabilizer. So you actually find that if, if you ask these guys, is the foil faster? They'll say yes, because there's less drag. Um, Miso Fernando in, in Brazil has been on things like, I need a smaller stabilizer. I need a smaller stabilizer. And because he's riding the smallest um, surf foil that I've got now, and he's still riding the original rear stabilizer, and he can feel how much excess drag there is. You know, there's, there's too much drag on the foil. And he's one of these guys that wants to go fast and he's really pushing the boundaries of, of, of foiling. His so, surfing yeah, is brilliant and, 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 on that. Oh, phenomenal. It's amazing. There's, there's, I was just going to say, there's, there's another thing that's on the, on the checklist that I've got to do. I've got so many things to do. <laughs> you know, he, he's one of the guys where I wonder when the shortboarding bug is going to bite me again. And yeah. it, but if you watch him surf, I mean, you, you don't really need a shortboard, you know, yeah. connecting waves, doing the turns yeah, that he's I, doing. Where does a shortboard fit in at that point? I, I just remember when I watch him go up the face of a wave and he turns and he snaps back down. I'm like, how do you do that, man? <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> it's a nice time. That's, yeah. that's amazing. There's really, something beautiful I, about watching right. people uh, surf something that you've created. Uh, at a level that you can't yourself do. I, I watch it with, you know, Fisher Grant, um, pro stand-up paddle surfer rides the boards I shape, and it's just I, incredible what he does on them. Um, I'll tell you what, Eric, it's, a, it's an absolute privilege to to have all these um, guys. And, and now, especially, it's not just from South Africa. I've got riders all over the world and uh, guys that are are, are buying my, my um, oils and supporting me and, yeah, I can just say thank you so much to everybody who's who's bought a foil, and yeah, I really, really appreciate um, the the support. You know, it's it's really taking me on a on an awesome journey. It's it's been really, really awesome. Thank you uh, to everybody. Well, I think that you've probably got that coming back at you too, because everybody is riding these is having better experiences because of them. So I think it's a two way street, man. Um, (laughs) I know I'm one of those guys. Let's talk about the 175 because that's, I believe that's going to be my next foil. You know, Kane, when he was on the show said that that's his favorite foil. He likes the 210, but his favorite foil to surf is the 175. Um, and then Zane Schweitzer, who was on the show said that the starboard, uh, wave, uh, pro the starboard wave pro 1300 was his favorite. And I actually got a text from, from Kane after he listened to that show saying it's pretty funny because, Basically, that's a very similar uh, shape to yeah. the, my favorite foil, and yeah. you know those are two of the of the world's best right there. Both saying that that shape is is pretty much the best. What what makes that such yeah. a special foil? Okay, that that foil was uh, wasn't meant to ride the way it does. That foil was actually made as a, as a beginner's foil. Um, it was a foil that I designed a couple of years back, and uh, what happened was. 
another mate of mine, Gumby, he he wanted to get into the whole surfboarding and he's like, listen, can I make him a, a four for surfboarding? I was like, yeah, I can, I can have a go at it. So I made him a prototype and he took this, this prototype out and he foiled it and he was like, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, you know, and he gave me all the feedback and so I started designing the 175 and I tried to put in as much of my knowledge on, on designing radio control airplanes into designing this foil. And my objective was to make a foil that was easy to ride, um, very stable, um, uh, because I found you know foiling quite difficult. I found it to be quite a, a learning curve to to be able to stand on the foil. It's just something that I, uh, I struggle with it. So this foil, you know, it's supposed to be a slow, um, stable foil. So anyway, I made the first one. And Gumby took this thing out, <clears throat> and his eyeballs were like saucers. He came back and he was like, "This thing is fast." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, great! That's the, that's the last thing I wanted it to be was fast." And yeah, that's that's how the the, the one seventy five started off. It was, um, it's got a, a really nice side to side feel to it. It's got um, a nice speed range for for its size. Um, Literally everybody who rides it just absolutely loves the foil. Is that the and, same uh, design that Misa Fernandez is riding? Yes, he he's got he's got the two different sizes. Um, he's, he's been riding the one seventy five predominantly, but now recently he's ridden the the one fifty, the smaller one, which is very very similar in uh, shape. It's a little bit uh, higher performing. Um, it's just for slightly bigger waves. What's the uh, what's I know how big Kane is, but how big is he weight wise? He's a, uh, I don't know, must be about seventy kilos, I think. Seventy-five, okay. something like that. I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. How how big of a role does weight play in what foil folks are riding? Um, I would say skill level is is more of a factor. Because I've seen, I've seen guys that are, are lightweight, um, and they can ride the foils, you know, relatively well. And then I've seen guys that are really heavy that can ride even better. So it's a whole combination. It's skill factor, it's weight, it's conditions, it's the whole package. Um, yeah. And this is one of one of the challenging questions that I have when when somebody phones me up for a foil. It's like, uh, which foil do I buy? I'm like, well, okay, let's start at the beginning. What do you want to do? And you just have to go through uh, 10, 15 questions, and that narrows it down to, to whatever the person wishes to do. Yeah. Because each falling discipline is becoming so and so more streamlined now, where a lot of guys just want to do downwind falling. So if you go and choose a 175 to do downwind falling, you're going to have a hard time because it's not made to do that. You know, when folks ask me that in the surf world, um, I ask them to send me a video of them surfing. That seems to solve everything. It's you know, people have a, yes. you know, it, That's it's a good idea. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, someone will say that they're a different level than they are. They'll estimate on one side or the other, yes. and then they're not happy with what you give them, and then that's that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. One one of the things that that I ask is. Um, can you foil? <laughs> you know, straight <laughs> up, can you foil? And obviously, your weight, your age, it's 
it's just, uh, it's a sad thing, but the older we get, the more difficult the thing becomes. So, the the for me and my experience, um, you need to buy a foil that is in your range because if you buy a foil that is too fast or too small, it's going to be a horrible experience, a very frustrating experience, and possibly so, dangerous. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Uh, I've seen on numerous times where where guys have taken foils out on their first session and they treat it like a surfboard, and they're going in these massive waves. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, the conditions are not right to learn to foil in. You need the smallest little wave that literally just going to push you. You just need to get that, used to that feeling that you're not driving with your back foot. So, yeah, like you say, if you, it could even be dangerous. Um, let's talk about wing breaching. Um, one thing that I have noticed in uh, the 210 is that it's, it's, you're much more able to complete a turn with a wing breach in the turn um, on that foil than on some of the more down-curved foils. Is that a symptom of the flatter wing? Yes, definitely. Um, if you take, um, if you can picture in, in, in your mind's eye, if you, if you look at a foil on the front view, so you're looking at it straight on, and you take a foil where the tips go downwards, okay? So let's say when the foil is in the horizontal position, all the surfaces that are flat are generating their maximum lift, right? <clears throat> surfaces, so if you take a foil and then you'd have to now roll it 90 degrees. Um, all the surfaces that are now vertical are creating zero lift. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yep. So now all the surfaces we can say now that are at 45 degrees, let's say your tips are swept down at 45 degrees. Those surfaces are only creating, for example, 50% of their lift because they're at 45 degrees. So now when you roll that foil onto its side, let's say 45 degrees, that surface now, <clears throat> excuse me, is now horizontal and now it's creating 100% of its lift. So in effect, your lift is now shifted onto that surface. It's a bit hard to explain, but I don't know if you feel No, me. no, I get it. I get so, it completely. So, so, it, it, so, yeah, so your lift has shifted onto that wingtip. Now what you're doing is you're sticking that wingtip out of the water. So all, all the lift has, has now moved to that wingtip. And you're sticking it out of the water, and that's why you're straight off. Because all of a sudden, your, your lift has disappeared. And that's why it's so difficult to, to recover from a, from a breach with a foil that has angled down tips. Yeah, and if you think about it, it's not only the fact that that wing tip has breached. And so say you have um, more horizontal angle on your top, your upper wing tip, as that's breaching. Also, your lower wing tip, because of the angle, is almost completely vertical in the water now, so there's no lift coming off of that. Exactly. You have no lift there. So yeah. you, you're relying, all your lift is now shifted to this, this um, part that is now horizontal. And that's why if you, if you look at the kite surfing guys, the guys that are racing on, on the kite surfing circuit, if you look at those foil designs, you'll see that the, the tips of the wings, they're starting to flatten them out now. And the reason is because they're breaching them all the time. Mm -hmm. When the conditions are a bit rough, they, they're sticking the tips of these foils out. And now they can recover and they can carry on. Whereas if your wingtip doesn't go out like that and you stick it out, it's very difficult to recover from it. Wow, that's really cool. I don't know if you, 
I don't know if you saw that latest picture from uh, Katie Maui where he's like sticking half the foil out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that was really cool. I was trying that last week and I had some, uh, I have a pretty cool picture of it on the 210. Um, I thought, awesome, man. Really, really cool. So cool. And if, like that one, I pretty much pulled. The only reason I didn't was because I didn't think I was going to. I didn't believe it. And it came back under my feet and I was like, ah, threw it out. Don't. <laughs> awesome. That was yeah, pretty yeah, far, yeah. man. Wow, that's pretty cool Tell about me, the, when, the breaching. When, when, when did you start for uh, um, surf foiling? So, so a few months back. Jan- January was when I started, but I, but I was just on a couple trips. I kind of split time between up north in Connecticut and Florida, and then we still have a surf camp in, in Costa Rica. So I got a couple trips down there over the winter, and then uh, about two months back, we moved two and a half, three months back, I guess now. Uh, moved back down to Florida for the summer. And so now here I've been going pretty frequently. So I'm a, I'm a solid like four months of surf time in right now. What did, what did you think the first time the foil picked you up out of the water? If I may ask you the question. Yeah, a- absolutely, man. So th- the first time that I got up on foil, it was a, actually it's two parts. So it happened once a couple years back in Hawaii. I caught two waves and I got up and it was a very train wreck experience. The, uh, Foil came up. I did what you do on a surfboard. I leaned back, you know, almost fell on the foil yeah. twice. I was like, this is stupid. I'm not Check. doing this. Uh, yeah. Cut to a couple years later as I'm living on the East Coast and, you know, it's just small surf predominantly. I decided to get back into it. And, you know, the first time I got up, it was a it was a pretty magical experience. I, did, I started prone um, and did that for a few days. And then I've got a pretty long stand-up background as well. And so then I went into the stand up and I think it's a little bit easier to learn stand up if you already have that skill set if you don't I don't think you should learn it to learn to foil uh, but if you can already stand up surf I think it's a pretty good way to get in because you don't have to worry about foot placement uh, but it was magic man just a very cool experience yeah 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 Yeah, I remember the first time that I got up on the foil it freaked me out I was like <laughs> just that whole feeling of, of coming out of the water and the smoothness of it and yeah it just yeah, I still remember it to this day. It's just an unreal experience. It's just, yeah, phenomenal. Yep. No, the quiet of it. The quiet yeah. and the speed <laughs> were the two things. See, on, on the kite, when you're going downwind, you get this silence, this quiet, and it's, it's just awesome. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> surreal. It's like in a dream and you're flying along. It's so cool. It's very similar to doing a downwinder, I would assume. When, I, when I've done the limited amount of downwinding that I've done, um, yeah. it's, you know, you're out in choppy surf and so choppy surf yeah. always comes with getting splashed in the face and, uh, yeah. a kind of a loud experience and, and you turn and you go downwind and then everything just kind of yeah. turns off and you're just flying. And then on the 210, oh, you don't even have to work that hard. I'm still getting me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, what else do you want to touch on before we before we head off? And hopefully, this was an enjoyable experience, and you'll come on in a couple months again, because this has been. I think everyone's going to love this listening to you, uh, kind of break everything down. I think everybody's going to learn a lot, and there'll be a lot of requests to get you back on. Well, I hope I haven't rambled on too much. <laughs> I think that's what these things are for, man. <laughs> I think I, th- I think what what I'd also like to do is just to. Um, do a few uh, YouTube um, videos just to to explain just some of the basics of of foiling in, in choosing a foil. 
because um, a lot of guys are like, you know, which which foil and why do I choose this? And I think it's something that I that I should should get around to doing. I think everybody would love that. And and now that we just said that, I, I've got two more quick quick ones for you. Two quick questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you see flex in foiling? You know, this is your your setup is the first full carbon setup that I've used, and it definitely has yeah. more flex than anything else that I've ridden. Uh, at the beginning, I didn't love it. Now I do like the flex in some parts. Sometimes I I still wish it was a little bit stiffer, but um, if that's the trade off for the light and the efficiency, it's well worth it. Um, but yeah. how do you see flex and do you think that it's a, it's good, bad and, and in what case scenarios is it good and bad? One of the things that, um, I've heard, I personally, um, I, I don't surf, but one of the things that I heard a, a lot of surfer guys say is, um, when you have a board that doesn't flex, it feels dead in the water. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of guys say the same thing with foils. Where certain um, there, there's different kinds of flex uh, on the foil, uh, especially on the mast. The majority of your flex comes from the mast, so you don't want twisting flex um, on the mast. So if you uh, twist your shoulders, you want the foil to follow as fast as possible. Um, whereas flex, where the mast actually bends, isn't as bad. So it's getting feedback. It's being able to twist, and then the foil, the, the foil like snaps back. So if the foil is too stiff, um, then I think you end up with a with a foil that feels a little bit dead. It's, it doesn't respond. So I think I think it's it also depends on on the rider himself. Some guys would like a little bit more flex, and other guys don't. On, on, on high speed stuff, when I'm going fast, then obviously you, you need a foil that's a lot stiffer. Mm-hmm. On a foil that's uh, a little bit slow, like surf foil, then you can add a little bit more flex, yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I see it. Okay. Um, in my experience, the flex for me makes it a little bit, I, I feel like I can attack a little bit less with the flex because I'm not a hundred percent sure where it's going to be, where I have a, I have a Neil pride foil that has like this is the, the mast is, uh, is, is super big. It's the same one they use for windsurfing. I think it's too heavy. They're coming, they've come out with a carbon one, which I'll try at some point. And I really like that foil setup. It's a, it's a good foil setup. Um, and it, yeah. the, with the mast being that sturdy you know exactly what your foil is doing at all times and you can attack the wave a little bit more so it's the setup that i tow on because of that a little bit more too I, well it's also a much smaller uh wing which makes it a little bit better for towing too um right but uh but i can see what you're saying about the loading of the foil i'm excited to try that on the uh the 175 after after this uh we finish the show i want to talk to you about maybe getting a 175 and being able to try that yeah. hopefully you've got one in the states for me um and then uh okay last question for you your designs yeah. are available on your website which is the unifoil site and um your instagram is is unifoil is it uni-foil or is it just one word unifoil uh the website is uni-foil okay uh, my instagram handle is just unifoil one word okay. um, and then also your designs are available at slingshot 
or not slingshot, sorry, at, at, uh, at signature, at the yeah. signature, um, uh, designs as well. Where should folks, you know, should folks go directly to you? Should they go to signature? Does it matter to you? I know that after this podcast, people are going to want to support you directly. Um, it doesn't matter if they go to, to signature or to you. Doesn't matter either or. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Cliff. Well, man, this has been hugely, uh, just fun, inspirational. It's fun to talk to someone else who has the same passion for design. Um, yeah, yeah. it's, it's really cool, man. Uh, and thanks for all the work that you've done for everybody out there. You've stoked out tons of folks, I'm sure. Hey, hey again, thanks so much for the support and, uh, for having me on the show. It's, uh, yeah, absolute privilege. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate the support. If you like the show, please share it on social media. Help get it out there. I don't have a lot of time to do marketing, things like that. I love doing the show. I don't really love that other side of promotion. So help me do it if you like it. And if you are interested in a flight deck, it is the board I've designed. You can check it out on the Instagram page. I'm about to do a run of boards. It could be glassed out of California, carbon bagged. Um, I love the shape. Feedback's been really good on the shape. Uh, very few changes from the last prototype to what we're going to produce. I'm just going to do a run. They're either going to be four, probably four, eight is the size that we're going to do, probably around 32 liters. I'm just going to do a one size thing. Um, so if you want one, shoot me an email uh, on that. All right. Have fun foiling. See y'all.